You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to Series 10, Episode 38 of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and I have another um, guest special ahead of um, this weekend's Women's Edinburgh Derby. We've had um, Leah Tweedy of Hearts. Now we've got um, Representative Hibbs, Scotland International. Rachel Ball, how are you, Rachel? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks yourself. Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, and thanks very much for coming on. First of all, um, I was hoping that you'd come on and um, be talking about a great double header for Scotland in the Euros 2021. Um, but Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, um, and no. um, we're going to just sum up, um, asking the obvious, um, sum up the disappointment. Yeah, the emotions are still raw. Obviously, it was just last night that it was confirmed that that we can't qualify. Um, so, yeah, still extremely disappointed, and I'm sure as same as a lot of the girls, that the changing room was very quiet last night after the game, and I think now we've we've just got to kind of pick ourselves up. It's it's been a disappointing campaign, but we, we've still got some great young talent in that dressing room as, as well as some quality experienced players as well. So we've got more than enough in that dressing room to, to qualify. It's just that we've let ourselves down this campaign, unfortunately. Yeah, from a fan's point of view, I watched the um, the game last night as well as the, the previous two, and there was a recurrent theme in the, th- in the three games, which you, you always don't need me to tell you about. Um, the build-up play was all good, but in the final third... It was there was a lot of bad decisions and three one nil defeats. It's, it was just so frustrating because I know that you girls are capable of better with the, the talent that's there. I mean, you've got players that are playing all over in England and abroad. Um, it was just such a disappointment. But then you don't need me to tell you that. Yeah, I think when you look at the squad and and you see the forward attacking players that we have in that team, they're unbelievable talent. So so for it not to come off, it, it's extremely disappointing and. We see it in training. Um, every session, the girls are rifling shots and top bins and things. And for it not to pull off, as I say, in, in the games when it mattered most, it's it's hard to take because um, we know that we've got the talent there. It's just something that, for some reason, it, it never clicked in these games. And I don't know if you could you could blame the, the shutdown of football. It kind of halted our rhythm. We were doing really well at the Pinotar Cup, but for us, we've stood in that dressing room and we've told each other we've had no excuses for this campaign. So we, we take it on the chin and we just have to move forward. Yeah. How much did um, not having Shelley around the dressing room this past week um, affect things? Um, I mean, it, it may have had an effect. I'm not entirely sure. We've never been in that position before where we've never had the head coach um, be with us. So that was a new learning experience for the whole squad and, and the coaching staff. Um, but to be honest, Shelley was involved from, from day one. She was on the Zoom call. She had a say in training. She was watching back all the footage of every session that we did and, and commenting on it. So, yeah, to say that she wasn't there in person, but she was definitely there in, in spirit. And, um, yeah, it was an learning experience, but it's definitely not one that we we can look to blame because, um, yeah, we've let ourselves down on the pitch more than anything else. Yeah, it's a shame, and for for you it must be um, particularly disappointing because you did you missed it in Euro 2017, and because of um, the fact you had a wee girl, you missed it in the World Cup. Um, so this would have been a great opportunity for you to finally get to finals, and um, for the women as well to make history. It would have been history of being in a third major tournament, in, um, you know, consecutively. 
the men haven't done that, so that would have been given um, nice bragging next way. So, yeah, yeah I'm sorry I mean, for rubbing yeah, salt in the woods for... here, Rachel. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, for a personal point of view, the girls had obviously been flying and as you say, qualified for the Euros and then World Cup back to back. So we went into this campaign full of, of high expectations of ourselves. Um, and as we say, we, we've not reached those expectations. So so from a personal point of view, yes, it's it's disappointing um, not to be able to, to play at a major final, but it's one that everybody's sharing the disappointment. Um, players and fans alike, we would have all loved to have been travelling down to England and for the Euro 2022 and unfortunately that's not to be so yeah we we have to reflect and work on what's went wrong in this campaign and, and put it right so that we come round for the next campaign we're, we're ready to go. Yeah and that must give you extra driving force knowing that um, you know World Cup is two and a half years away you're still young enough that you're um, you should be able to make that if you continue your form um, does that just give you extra motivation and as well the players but for you personally because you missed out on a couple you know this is a great opportunity for you yeah I mean I would love to I've always said from from day one that I would love to play at a major finals for for Scotland that would be the absolute pinnacle of my career Um whether I'm able to do that and whether the manager still picks me as I get older, that remains to be seen. But all I can do is play to my best week in, week out. And, and hopefully that's enough to be selected when the, the campaign comes round again. Yeah. And you start you started your national career back in uh, 2010, um, in a friendly against Poland, um, age just 18. Um, just talk about what the squad was like, the differences between then and now as to how far the women's game has come. Oh, it's massive. Um, the professionalism in the women's sport now in, in Scotland and more so England, you can see that the girls who are playing down south, they, they bring up to camp a lot of professionalism and a lot of talent comes with them. Um, Scotland's getting there. I think we've still got a long way to go in terms of competing with the English te- English league um, and being able to give players a pl- platform to play on. But yeah, from when I first started my international career, it's just night and day in terms of the support that the women's team now receive and, and the training and the facilities and just everything surrounding women's football has just grown massively since 2010 and, and hopefully it can continue to do so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I spoke to Leanne Crichton for Tatanami Magazine, um, she was telling me that the influence Anna Senior had at that point. Obviously, she put you out last night, unfortunately, but um, no, she... Just little things like the habits um, of players changed, the culture changed over a 12-year period that she um, she was in. I mean, could you see when you first came in that squad the early signs that things were going to change in the future when you first made your debut? Yeah, I think Anna came in with a, pa- a plan not just to improve the, the first women's national team, but to also improve the whole structure of the league across the board. Um, and in their time that she was here, she definitely done that. And she, she raised the standards massively for, for women's football in Scotland. And for that, I think a lot of people should be very thankful to her. Um, I actually spoke to her last night and I've not seen her for, for a few years. And um, yeah, she was extremely disappointed that our qualifi- qualifying campaign came to an end and she actually went away down the tunnel at the end she never celebrated with her team um so it shows you the type of person she is she still believes that she's scottish at heart and yeah she's an incredible woman and she's done incredible things for for women's sport in scotland 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the, the women's team's obviously been revolutionised, but it's, as you mentioned, it's not just the national team, the league structure. You see um, where the, the league is now um, to what it was um, years ago. It's, um, it's almost night and day and for the better, um, without doubt. I mean, just, just describe that experience of, of um, making your Scotland debut. Yeah, it was a it was a nerve wracking one. It it came around quite quick. I'd been um, playing for the under nineteen youth team in the the European final. Um, I think it was in Macedonia, uh, and then I actually got injured in that that final tournament in June. Uh, I rolled my ankle, and I was kind of coming back from rehab from that, not really expecting too much, and obviously knew that the jump from under nineteen youth level to to first team was massive. Um, so to get the call to to say that I was actually selected to go to Poland with the national team it kind of came unexpectedly um, just coming back from injury I was trying to get my fitness levels back so I went with zero expectations of of even playing I was just looking forward to training with these top top players in the in the country so to actually get on and make my debut for I think it was the last 30 minutes and, and come away with a win it's definitely memorable and one of my favourite games that I've played yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you 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 won a good few caps in the um, the fir- the first three years of um, your international career. I think I've got from what what I got on the SFA website, you you got to twenty eight, and then there was a four year gap bef- before your next one, your cap twenty nine. What was the what was the reason? Um, you know, as to why there was that four year gap? Was it because you were playing at a lower level at the time? Because or what was the reason? No, it was. Um... It was solely on me. Um, at the time, the the league wasn't uh, professional, and obviously, a lot of the girls we all had to work or study alongside playing our football. Um, for me, I wasn't in the the study bracket. I was working full time at the time, and um, just came out of school and had to pay for a car. I had to, you know, you've got your bills to pay. So, mm-hmm. um, at the time, I couldn't afford to keep missing work and travelling with the national team and. I remember Anna calling me, asking me to be to be training more to try and compete with the girls that were actually playing full time, whether they were abroad or down in England. They were all starting to ramp up their training at this at this time, and for me, it was something that I couldn't physically fit any more time into football because I had to work full time nine to five. So it was a difficult period for me, and I, I kind of fell out of love of the game um, just for the demands that was placed on me in terms of trying to balance a work life football. Um, scenario. So yeah, I took the decision that I would I would step back from football and, and concentrate away from that. So uh, yeah, at the, t- the same time about that, I think I pulled my hamstring as well. So I'd kind of pulled out with injury. And from there, I just kind of wanted to fall back in love with football and just get back to enjoying it. And, and then obviously the, the international scene came back around, luckily enough. Yeah, it's, I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people from the outside forget is that, you know, it's not full time for women's football. Um, again, I referenced Leanne that um, she couldn't commit to going to international duty um, in her early years because um, you have to pay basically to, to go on a national duty. It's just something that you can't really afford to do. Um, I mean, yeah. it's obviously better for you now, thankfully. Um, I mean, you obviously made your comeback and then missed out, as we mentioned, um, you didn't quite get back for your 2017, you missed it in the World Cup because of um, the birth of Amelia, but getting back for the Panatta Cup um, back in March, that must have been um, an amazing feeling, being back in that squad again. Yeah, um, again, it was one of those situations where you go with zero expectations. Um, Shelley actually spoke to me before it and assured us that um, everyone was going to get some game time at the Panatta Cup. 
whether that was five minutes, whether that was three full games, it remained to be seen. So I went out there with, with no expectations, just keep my head down and working hard and, and trying to get in the squad. And um, unfortunately for a few other girls, they, they picked up a couple of injuries and that allowed me a chance to, to get some game time under my belt. And I felt like I did okay. There were still some things that I wanted to work on and um, I came away from that camp full of optimism and um, looking forward to the rest of the campaign. But just at that time, the, the coronavirus pandemic shut everything down. So so that was disappointing. But um, yeah, looking back at the Pinatar Cup, it was it was a really enjoyable tournament for me personally. Yes, as you mentioned, it was just a shame that as you came back, the pandemic hit, you know, that fateful Friday the 13th of uh, March is it's in everyone's diary, I think, now, and uh, mine, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I mean, that must have been, I mean, saying the obvious case, everyone's been affected by it, whether you're a footballer, whether, um, you know, you work in um, retail, whether, whether you you work in the NHS, everyone was affected, unfortunately, by it. I mean, for you, with you and um, Martin Boyle, um, both being both being footballers raising a little girl, that must have been hard work at that point. At least you didn't need to do homeschooling, thankfully, um, which unfortunately <laughs> I had to do. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a shock to the system, definitely. Um, we're both used to being extremely busy and coming and going and out the house and and having all these games here, there, and everywhere to focus on. So. To be locked at home, just the three of us and the dog, it was it was definitely strange. But I think we adjusted to it quite well. We we got ourselves into a routine, and and actually having Amelia running around the house made us go and do things. We had to get up, we had to feed her, we had to entertain her, we had to try and get her out of the house, and whether that be on walks, go to the park, the beach with the dog, like it was just finding things to do as a family and and pass the time and to keep it entertained. So. In hindsight, it was nice to spend some time together. Um, it's not something we get to do often. So to have that time with her at such a young age, it was it was precious moments for us. Um, but yeah, we definitely looked forward to, to getting back into the football pitch and getting back in training. Yeah, must be frustrating for you and Martin. Um, was able to go back and go to training. You're still waiting for a few weeks. Um, you must have been a bit jealous at that point. Yeah, I was. Um, I think when I seen him getting up and going and you're just thinking to yourself, when is it going to be my turn? But um, yeah, health is a main priority. And, and luckily for him, he was getting tested on a regular basis. So it actually gave me a bit of peace of mind because I'm thinking, well, if he's not positive, then either should we be. So yeah, that was that was quite nice to get him out of the house and, and get some normality back and just spend some time with Amelia on my own. And then once my turn came around, it was See you later. I'm out the door. So yeah, it was it was good fun. Uh, good stuff. No, I'm glad everything worked out from your point of view. Um, so I'm going to take you um, back into your club career. So your your early years, um, you had two spells at um, Aberdeen Ladies as they were now. Well then, um, playing for the um, the club that you supported as a girl. You know, um, just describe what um, you know how how lucky you felt in being able to play for the Aberdeen team. Yeah, it was probably one of my favourite times of my career. Um, all my friends played there and I grew up with these girls. So to then progress into the women's team with my closest friends in football, it was it was a special, special time for me and I really enjoyed it. And if you ask me now if I could go back 10 years and, and do it all over again, I would, I would jump at the chance because it was such great fun and I never seen it as a job or, or anything. It was just 
turn up, have fun and, and go home. So, yeah, to play with these girls and, and play for the club, it was it was great times for me. It was just, unfortunately, we weren't quite at the standard where we could compete with Glasgow City for any major honours or anything. But I think the progress that we made at the time while I was there was, was night and day. We went from maybe travelling away to Glasgow and getting heavily beat to pulling them 1-0 close defeats um, on occasion. So, so yeah, it was great memories for me and um, I still speak to a lot of the girls that play for Aberdeen and, and they're doing really well this season. So looking forward to them hopefully getting promoted and being playing against them again. Yeah, I echo that as a fellow Aberdeen fan myself and I spoke to Emma Hunters, we um, spoke before, um, she was... Um, she's very hopeful for the season and they've won seven out of eight games this season so um, it's looking good for them with two promotion places hopefully you will be playing against uh, Aberdeen yeah. next season um, which would be obviously really good um, I mean getting to getting to Aberdeen um, in the first place I mean was there a girls team for you at school? Um, no uh, growing through school I never really was aware of women's football and to be honest I never looked for it. Um, I was quite happy playing with all my friends at school and it was all boys, never really had any girlfriends. So, um, yeah, I just went out in the garden and out in the parks with the boys after school, during school, it was always them. So I just never even thought I could play girls football at the time. And it wasn't until I came at a certain age that, that my coach at the time actually tried to get me involved in a women's team. And, and he was the one that actually got me set up for the the national team trials and things like that so that's when I really took notice of of girls football and thought I'm going to have to make the transition so when I went to it was Aberdeen girls at the time that that contacted me and wanted me along for training so I went along and that's when I met my friends and and fitted right in straight away so I knew that that was the place for me to to progress. Yeah I mean that's something that's obviously um, the there, um, again, I referenced Leanne Crichton because she mentioned um, that you know there was no girls teams at all um, where where she was gr- where she was growing up. Um, again, she was learning from playing with her brothers and uh, and things like that. So it's interesting that you've had an almost similar journey that you've had to play with um, you know the boys in order to get noticed and get your um, progress up. But thankfully now there seems to be more girls teams um, slowly um, coming. Um, been rolled out in certain areas and it's, it's it can only be a beneficial um, thing for the future yeah. I mean I think if you look at um, myself and Leanne and it's probably a generational thing that there's a lot of girls like from our sort of age group that probably progress through the same sort of pathway um, but as you say luckily now that the girls football the, the game is starting to grow and it's becoming massive now so there's a lot more opportunities for, for girls to play with girls Um I still think it's important and I'll preach it to the to the end of my time that girls should be playing with boys until they can't anymore because it definitely helps them become better players. They'll be faster, they'll be stronger um, and they'll be able to stick up for themselves. So it gives them that bit of backbone to, to step into the women's game. And we did it at a young age. We, we stepped up to women's football fairly young and I think it benefited us because we, we had to grow up and grow up quickly. So um, you see girls coming through now, they're, they're maybe not as as forward focused as they as they need to be in terms of just stepping out of their comfort zone and playing at a level above. They're quite happy to just carry on playing with their friends. So for me, I think playing with the boys, playing mixed sports, um, yeah, definitely beneficial for, for young girls. But at the same time, to have teams solely just girls, it's it's an incredible thing to see 
considering not that long ago when we were coming through, there was nothing like that available. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's important um, that you mentioned that where possible, um, um, you know, a mix is, is always good and, uh, you know, it can only be a best official, probably more so from um, the girls' point of view, without doubt, you know, learning them um, off, off the boys, there's um, no question about that. Um, so um, you also had a spell at uh, Forfar. Um, just describe those three years. Was it three years you've um, played there? I think it was, yeah, it was either three or two and a half. It was roughly about that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Aberdeen were, were struggling at the time and it was around the same time I was trying to break into the national team. Um, so at that point, I realised that I had to be playing um, SWPL1 football, um, the Premier League at the time. So I made the decision to, to travel to the next closest team in my region, which was Forfar. So that was about an hour an hour there, an hour back for training. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big commitment at the time, but it was one that I was keen to make, to, to be able to make my name and, and try and implement myself in the national team. So, yeah, I loved my time at Forfar. It was a really close-knit team, and I think it's one that, it's strange you don't really find many teams that stick together the way that the girls at Forfar did. And I think even to this day, you kind of get the feel every time you go back to Forfar that everyone is really brought together in terms of the community. It's a, re- it's a really community feel club. Um, it's well run and the backroom staff and everyone that's involved in the club are, are really passionate about the team. So, yeah, it was a great decision by myself to, to go and play there and I thoroughly enjoyed my time and I think we probably had our highest ever finish for a Forfar team, so we were quite successful as well. Yeah, I mean, Forfar's an interesting one because although they play at the same ground as Forfar Athletic, they don't affiliate themselves with um, the men's team. You know, they've got their unique identity like Glasgow City have. Um, I, th- I think that's a, that's a real interesting dynamic they've got, whereas obviously you're seeing now a lot of teams, like obviously the team you're playing for now, Hibs, and we've mentioned Aberdeen, Rangers and Celtic, you know, they're putting a lot of money into them, their the women's team which is good as well so it's, it's again it's a, a nice mix to have yeah I mean I don't think the the four for men's team have the financial structure that your Celtic no. and your Rangers and things have so um yeah as I say the chairman and everyone involved at four for they've come together and they've created a women's pathway and you see it when you turn up to train and right from the youth the, the kids right the way through to the women's team there's all sorts of age groups there and and everyone's pulling in the same direction. Everyone is, is very close-knit. As I say, you've got the women's team helping out with the kids before the training sessions start and stuff. So the kids love to see it. These are their idols. They look up to these women. So to have them training alongside them or taking their training before their own starts, it's, it's really exciting for them. And as I say, the club is really well run. So I've only got good things to say about Forfair and my time there. Yeah, you ended up going back to Aberdeen. I mean, obviously, apart from the fact that you supported Aberdeen, what was the main reason you went back? Um, if I'm being completely honest, again, it was it was more a, a personal point of view. It was, I think, forfeit. Again, they were starting to struggle, and I was still trying to to prove myself in women's football, and I was trying to play at the highest level I possibly could, but at the same time, keep my job. So. Uh, yeah, for Aberdeen started to progress and, and I knew that they wanted me back so um, I made the decision to, to go back to Aberdeen and, and push them on and again I think we again we got our highest league finish um, I think it was the next year that I'd went back so we were quite successful and from a personal point of view it was it was the right decision for me Yeah, and you obviously had a good couple of years back at Aberdeen and then you got the move to Hibs was it again just a simple case of 
next big step up in your in your career? Um, no, that was more a, a family reason. Um, obviously, Martin at the time oh. I was with my husband, and and he got the call to to go on loan to Hibs. Um, so he was based down in Edinburgh for the full week and I was still in Aberdeen so we weren't really seeing each other very much I was just travelling down at weekends and then travelling back for my game on a Sunday up in Aberdeen so it was a lot of commitment and we had done it for about a year and a half and at the time people at Hibs had heard rumours that they would be keen to bring me in if and when I would ever move down to Edinburgh and myself and my husband we started speaking about it and we decided to buy a house down in Edinburgh he seen his career um progressing at Hibs and, and he knew that he'd be there for a couple of years he'd just signed a contract I think it was so we had that stability and I decided to make the move down to Edinburgh and leave my family behind and yeah once I got here I've got myself a job and the first thing I wanted to do was find a team to play for and luckily for me that was Hibs that came calling. Yeah, it's certainly been one that's been beneficial certainly from watching Martin um, at Hibs I mean his career's really um, taken off down there and um, yourself for the, the Hibs team it's been it's been really good and um, it's been very successful you've become um, Cup Queens um, shall we say um, over the last few years because um, you've won a few Scottish Cups and League Cups I think you might have missed a couple of finals at that but um, but you know certainly um, get a nice collection of medals going on through there yeah, um, I don't know why we couldn't ever win the league, but we seem to take the cups off of Glasgow City. Um, obviously, that's starting to change now, so we'll we'll have to see how the season goes. But yeah, we we did really well in the cup competitions, and we were definitely a, a cup team. Uh, we turned up on the big occasions, but for some reason or the other, we just couldn't turn up in the league games against them. So I don't know if it was a mentality thing or we just can't quite put a finger on it and speaking to some of the Glasgow City girls they couldn't really understand why they couldn't turn up in the cup games either so it was a two-way street sort of thing there um but yeah as you say it was it's been a very successful time at Hibs in terms of cup competitions and winners medals and um yeah it's certainly something I'll look back on once I've retired and, and be proud of. Which is your favourite of the cup finals you've played in? Um Probably the one at Livingston when we won 3-0. Um, yeah, so, sorry, you're disappearing there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so probably we played at Livingston, we won 3-0. Um, and that was the first time I think we beat Glasgow City without having to go to extra time. And we beat them comfortably that night. We we got a goal just before half time, And then the second half they came at us and we just hit them on the counter and our game plan was spot on that night and everybody played their part and I actually managed to get myself a goal in a cup final, which I don't think I'd managed to do before. So from a personal point of view, that just was the icing on the cake and it just summed up a, a great season for us that year. Yeah, definitely. Um, being able to score in a cup final, that not many people um, can say that. Um, I also see that you beat Celtic 9-0 in a final, am I right? I wasn't involved in that one. That was yeah. one of the ones that I missed out on. Um, but yeah, the, the team done incredible that night. I think Celtic just couldn't cope with them. I watched. I remember watching it on the TV. I wasn't there, um, so to see it from a distance, it was it was an incredible day for the girls. And they knew by half time that they'd had the cup in the bag, and it was just about putting on a show from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned obviously you can't quite get um, the league the um, five consecutive runners up positions. Is that the biggest frustration in your career so far, that you haven't managed to get over the line um, for the league? 
yeah, I mean, from a personal point of view, if you're talking about accolades and, and trophies, the league is obviously the pinnacle of that in your club career. You, you want to win the league no matter where you're playing. So for me to never have been able to do that, it's it's disappointing and it's frustrating, but it's something that I'll continue to strive for and, until the day comes that I, I need to hang up the boots. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously talking about the fact that um, you missed um, a ch- you know a chunk of your career um, through plainly saying having Amelia. Just um, just describe because obviously it's not something that us men would ever have to go through, thankfully. <laughs> but um, fight, you know, in, or- in order to build back up your fitness after going through, you know, that that kind of experience. And I know my wife went through two horrific experiences. Don't know what it was like for you, but um, mm. to fight to 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 come back from that and then get to the level where you're an international game. Just how much work had to go into that? Um, yeah, there was a lot of tears and a lot of self-doubt at the time. Um, you go through the, the different stages. You first thought you're excited to get back out on the pitch. And then once you get there, you realise that you're not quite as able as you used to be. So you then, you have the disappointment of, are you ever going to get there? And, and the self-doubt. So yeah, there's a lot of different emotions that go on. And it's something that I had to deal with. And luckily for me, I had a great support in terms of my family and my friends and stuff, they were all right behind me. And, and the girls on the team were first class. I, I can't fault them. And the coaching staff, they they really got behind me and supported me every step of the way. So um, for me to be able to come back and, and perform the way that I felt like I did, um, I thought I had a pretty pretty good season. And to get back in the international setup, which I never even anticipated would happen, especially so quickly, it was, it was the icing on the cake for me. So... Yeah, I don't know if I could go through it again, but it was definitely one of the most difficult things I've done, and and something that I'm extremely proud of. Uh, no, it's, a, it's an absolute, it's an absolute credit, um, because as you say you went through some, you've been something through that. I'll be honest, us men could never go with. Let's just get out of there right now um, and, and to come back and be in you no know, play football. I think it's it's admirable. So no, well done to you. Um, you know, this this season, um, it's. It got off to a good start with two wins um, over Spartans and Motherwell. The last three games coming up against um, Rangers, Cel- um, Glasgow and, and Celtic have not went your way, three defeats. Uh, you know, it must really be frustrating that um, you've not quite got the results that um, that you would have probably gotten in recent seasons. What, what do you think the reason yeah. for that is? Um, could be a number of things. Um, for us, it's, it's always a transition year at Hibs. We know that it's like a conveyor belt at Hibs. We we get players in, we develop them, they go back out the door and move on to bigger and better things. That's just the way it is at a club like Hibs. Um, so we've come to expect that season in, season out, and it's been no different this year. We've we've had another transition year and we've brought new players in, young players um, with quality that we can certainly develop and improve into, to top, top players one day. So for us, it was all about bedding them in quickly and getting them used to the standard of the league and unfortunately for us it came at the same time as other teams improving and improving well so you've got your Celtic and your Rangers who have heavily invested in their clubs and Glasgow City as everyone knows are a top team that year in year out they've always got top players to come up against so we knew that it was going to be difficult this year um, to compete at the level that we have been but it's something that I think if you watch the games we've been close with um, Rangers it was a, a slim 1-0 defeat um, on another day we might have got a goal we, you just never know these things um, and then Glasgow City again they dominated the game but we 
we've brought it back to 3-2 and with um, the last kick of the game, we win a corner and the referee calls it the calls the match. So these are frustrating because on another day you might get the decision for the corner to go ahead and we could have scored from it. I'm not saying we would have, but that's how close the games are against these teams. And the most disappointing one for us was the Celtic game. We felt for the first 20, 25 minutes, we've probably played the best attack in football we, we had all season and we were dominating the ball but for some reason we found ourselves 2-0 down and then to then go on and concede the goals that we did in the manner that we did it's very uncharacteristic for for Hibs um, so it's something that we've been working on over the international break to put right for um, the upcoming games and then when these three big games come round again next year we'll, we're going to be in a better position. Yeah, you certainly hope so. I mean, that, that Celtic win um, surprised me. Um, not s- necessarily that Celtic won, but the fact that it was 6-2, I think that was the, the most surprising, given how well Hibs have been over the last couple of years. But I mean, um, it's obviously a more challenging season for, for Hibs this year because, as you mentioned, Celtic have invested more heavily, Rangers have invested more heavily, Glasgow City continue to set the bar. Um, they've obviously won every game. Um, but in terms of getting back in contention, do you think, do you believe that um, you still have the squad there um, with yourselves and the likes of Joel, Joel Murray. Um, you can still um, put in a league challenge again this season. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, you look at the squad that we've got, we've obviously got experience, but we've got a lot of youth there as well who are really pushing on the older players to to keep competing at the very best they can. Um, we need to, we know we need to perform to, to keep our position because we've got young girls sitting on the bench who are chomping at the bit to get a game. So, the, the competition for places is huge and it's one that's certainly going to drive the team on. Um, in terms of competing for the league, uh, we know that we've got a mountain to climb because we've lost these three games. Um, but it's certainly one that if we can't win it ourselves, which we'll do everything we can to do, we're definitely a team that could cause an upset on our day. So we'll be looking to, when these games come round again, we'll certainly be looking to bring out maximum points and, and really flip the league. Yeah, and what better game um, to try and get yourselves back and try than coming up against your Edinburgh rivals Hearts, um, Edinburgh Derby. Um, they've not had a good start of the season. Um, they've lost five games. They're still adjusting to league. But having spoken to Leah um, yesterday, as we record this on Wednesday, um, they're determined to try and uh, get their season back back up and running. So, what kind of game are you expecting from Hearts at the weekend? Yeah, I'm expecting a typical Edinburgh derby. Uh, there'll be tackles going in, there'll be a bit of fight, a bit of dig from both teams. Uh, we both know what's at stake. Obviously, as you say, Hearts have not had a great start to the year, but they always seem to turn it around on derby day and they make it very difficult for us. They always have done, so I'm expecting no different this year. They'll be well organised. Um, uh, remains to be seen if they're going to sit in. They have done in the past against us where they sit in and try and hit us on the counter, so I mean, they'll be watching us and, and know our weaknesses, so they'll be looking to exploit them. But at the same time, I've got every confidence in our team that if we put our mistakes right against Celtic, then we should come out on top in the, the derby. Yeah, despite the results, I wouldn't expect um, that you think it'll be an easy game on Sunday because um, they've obviously got a point a point to prove. Um, just how tough the, the, the game's been over the years with Hearts. I know they've only just come back into the top flight um, and they're looking to make their name again, but have they been really close in the past? Um, a bit of mixed bag. Um, I think some games have been really close where it's maybe been one goal or two goals in it. Um, and other times we've maybe went on to, to beat them quite heavily. So, yeah, we're we're expecting a close game. 
as I say, they've they'll be working hard to to keep it compact and and limit our chances and vice versa. We'll be looking to exploit their weaknesses and I know that they've got some some ex Hibs players playing for them, so they'll not want to be to be getting beat by their old team. So <coughs> sorry, um, it's something that we'll be we'll be looking forward to and. I should say that we know what Leah's all about and we'll be expecting her to be to be causing some problems and she'll be desperate to score against us. That's a fact. So we'll need to be aware of, of their threats and, and nullify them. Yeah, well, she's not scored for Hearts yet. Um, so it would be sweet for her if she did it at the weekend. So you'll obviously be looking to pull out the stops to stop her um, at the same yeah. point. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting um, battle against um, whoever she's up against. Uh, and you've obviously got four far um, before the break, um, the Christmas break as well, Christmas New Year break. Um, that'll be fun for you coming up against your um, old club again. But how important is it that Hibs get these six points, get themselves back on track? Yeah, um, as soon as the Celtic game finished, we, we knew that our focus turned to these next two games and we knew that they were massive. Um, not only to finish the year on a high, but to, to put ourselves in a better position in the league's table. So we need these six points. And we've said that, um, we need to win every game now if we want to compete for the league and that's no different and it starts on Sunday so yeah the 4-4 game will be huge but first and foremost we need to get the job done against Hart Yeah definitely and um, I hope it's a good game I mean, the, the the one thing the game will be missing is the crowd now I know women's football doesn't get a lot of crowds um, at the best of times hopefully that's something that will improve when they're allowed back in but Having having no fans at games, and you would have felt it probably last night as well from the international point of view, because obviously Scotland are now starting getting used to six, seven thousand at games and no crowds being there. I mean, that must be. I know you're getting used to it, but it still must be weird walking out of stadium and seeing nobody there to cheer you on. Yeah, I mean, I think you notice it more in the international stage. As you say, we we get more fans for the international games than we do at club level, um, which is hopefully something we'll be able to improve on. Uh, but yeah, I think having fans at our home games um, against Albania and then against Finland last night, I think it would have definitely helped push the team on. And you never know, it might put a bit of doubt into the opposition team when they hear a crowd roaring the home side on. So yeah, it's something that we're missing. And to be honest, when you're sitting watching football on the TV and stuff, it's just not quite the same without the fans there. So definitely football is all about the fans, in, in my opinion. Um, so yeah. When the day comes that fans are allowed back in, hopefully that people flock in their numbers to, to go and support their, their teams, whether that be local or international, because it's certainly something that the game is missing. In terms of the women's side of things, as you say, we, we don't get a lot of club level, so we'll be looking to improve on that. And I think coming off of the World Cup, we were, we were starting to get a bit of a boom and a bit of an interest, especially with Celtic and Rangers starting to throw some money into the, the women's game. So it's been disappointing that they haven't been able to to bear fruits of that so we'll be looking um, once the fans are allowed back in to, to try and improve the, the media around the game and, and get the sponsorships in so that we can bring fans and bring some interest Yeah, that, I mean there has been ste- steady improvements um, from the, the media towards um, the women's game it could be better but it is heading in the right direction from um, what I can see and from a podcast point of view we could do more to try and um, engage in women's football. You know, we've had a few interviews recently, thankfully, trying and improve our education. But um, what more needs to be done, in your opinion, um, for the women's game to get to the level that it needs to? I think the league needs to be competitive. Um, I think when you see it at any level, when one team's winning everything, I mean, it's great for that one team, but 
from a supporter and an, a fan point of view, it, it becomes a bit monotonous and a bit boring. So, yeah, hopefully this year, because we've we've got a bit of um, investment into the women's game across the board, a lot of teams are starting to improve massively and that'll bring a more competitive league and more challenging games. And I think you've seen that, I mean, Rangers and Forfar was a close game, ourselves and Rangers was a close game. So there's definitely more competitive games across the league. So um, that can only bring interest. And um, when people start talking about these games and fans will, will jump on it. And yeah, it's something that we need to improve on and keep it as competitive as it can be. Um, but at the same time, every team wants to win so whatever fans clubs come and support we I know that at Hibs we've got a, a fan supporters club uh, there's a Facebook page and things like that that people can get involved in so just having things like that around each and every club would definitely help grow the game and then the sooner we can get people along to watch the, the sooner we can try and attract them to, to come in more often. Yeah well let, let's hope that when um, fans are gradually back in that you know there's enough drive given to um, encourage people to, to, to come to women's football games. I mean, I'm certainly hoping to try and get to a club and certainly an international winner. Being a Scotland Supporters Club member, I can get into the women's games for free, so I should take advantage of that when I can. Um, so I'll definitely do that. Um, and with regards to yourself, your future, um, I take it's pretty much abs given the fact that Martin signed a big five-year contract and you've got a new contract, I understand. Yeah, we, we both signed a new deal with the club um, keeping us here. So as far as we're aware, we're, we're quite happy here. We're settled. Um, Hibs have become a big part of both of our lives. and Our daughter's happy here. She she gets to go and, and see her friends and stuff like that. So in terms of family life, we're really settled here. So we're not looking to be moving anywhere anytime soon. Um, but I say that and you just never know what could happen in football so it's one of these things that we just kind of need to go with the flow but our focus first and foremost is, is Hibs and, and where we are just now so yeah concentrating on that just now and then when the international scene comes around again I'll I'll hopefully put myself in a good position for that. Yeah I guess so and I hope the, the rest of your season um, um, pans out well so I'll just um, round off uh, Rachel I've enjoyed this conversation um, I'll round off with um, a round of quick fire questions um, so first yeah. question I need to ask is uh, what what TV channels Amelia making you watch just now? Peppa Pig <laughs> Oh no <laughs> That's the worst yeah, answer <laughs> I know she's she's picked up on it lately so yeah, Peppa Pig is our absolute favourite right now and Santa's coming round, so Peppa Pig will be in his sack, I think. I've yet to meet one adult that thinks that's a good show, Peppa Pig, <laughs> but we'll quickly move on. Um, who's your best friends in football? Uh, probably Lauren Campbell, Chloe Fitzpatrick. They, they play for Aberdeen. Um, known them since I was young, since 13, 14 years old, so definitely um, come through the youth levels with them and the ranks and I still speak to them to this day so definitely then. Would you say your best moment in football is? Probably playing international football I think um, for women's football when it's not really been a professional sport for the majority of my career um, and for myself never actually playing professional football international football is always the, the pinnacle of, of the career so yeah for me it's definitely pulling on a Scotland jersey. Yeah, well, well, Martin's been playing for um, Australia, um, so if um, Scotland qualify for the World Cup in Qatar 2022, the show do the same, and Scotland get Australia, who are you supporting? 
<laughs> um, I'll sit on the fence for that one. I'll maybe get a wee half and half shirt made up. I don't think there's a big rivalry between the two countries. No, I think it'll be all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> not. I've got Australian relatives, but um, no, I'm supporting Scotland every time. But it's a bit more difficult situation for you, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what, what what box set kept you going during lockdown? Um, there was a few. So I got into line of duty i was a bit behind with that and i heard good things about it so i got caught up on line of duty ready for the the new season but yeah there was just catching up on all the the top netflix ones and i think the last dance was probably my favorite with michael jordan really like that one yeah I, I must be one of the few people that's never watched that um, i don't know if you can still get it i'll need to get hold of it um, i recommend it yeah yeah um what's your favorite tipple my favourite what, sorry? Favourite tipple drink? Drink. Um, like alcoholic or yeah. soft drink? Yeah, I know you're a professional alcoholic. footballer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not a big drinker, to be honest. Um, those were long gone when I was like 18 years old and couldn't handle the hangovers. So for me, I just, because I don't drink often, I just start off with a wee recorder leg or a cider or something and then go from there. So I'll probably just say that. Cardalog's a good choice. Um, <laughs> um, what would your death row meal be? I'm asking this to a lot of the guests just now. Everything. Um, I love a steak pie dinner. I love a steak pie. So probably go with that and the mashed tatties and the usual trimmings and stuff. So yeah, that would be the one. That's a good, that's a good choice. Um, Christmas is coming up. Um, so what's your favourite Christmas movie? Home Alone. I think it's a firm favourite with most people so yeah gotta love Home Alone yeah definitely and what's your favourite Christmas song it's a bit controversial now these days I think the Pogues <laughs> the fairy tale of New York <laughs> um, but I've heard that there's a bit of an issue there with that song so if I'm not allowed to say that one I'll say Mariah Carey <laughs> you're allowed to say um, whatever song you want to me um, and to this podcast <laughs> we're not we're not PC in any way shape or form um <laughs> And the final question, I, I wish I'd prepared you for this now. I feel quite bad, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, name a best 11 of um, all the players you've played with um, to date. Played with? Oh, wow. Um, is it a particular formation? or? Well, it's up to you. It's your, your team. Uh, God. Um, I mean, my goalkeeper, it's a difficult choice. I've Obviously, Lee's the, the international number one and, and she's a top keeper. But for me, I've played alongside Jenna for years at Hibs and some of the saves that she's pulled off, I'm thinking to myself, how has she just managed that? So I would probably just edge in Jenna Fife, um, who's now at Rangers. And then you're looking at probably, as you've seen last night, Rachel Corsi and, and Jen Beatty at centre half. Um, top quality defenders, just rock solid. Um I'd have to put myself in it right back, would I not? <laughs> if I'm not playing, Absolutely. then what's the point? I'll put myself in there. Um, left back, Emma Mitchell. She's probably the best left back that certainly I've ever seen in Scotland. Um, and for her to, to achieve the career that she has, um, I think the national team missed her over the last couple of games when she went off against Portugal and then we missed her against Finland. So her drive going forward. Um, midfield three, you're probably looking at Kim Little, Caroline Weir and Erin Cuthbert 
Um, I think you would struggle to find a better midfield three, even if you went down to England. And I think these girls can compete on the world stage with any top, top player um, to sit and watch them in training and, and in games and all of the things that they can do. And they're all very different types of players. So to have them in there would be great. Um, striker, front and centre, you're looking at Julie Fleeton. Um, yeah. the, the lassie can score goals for fun. Um, probably not now. After watching her in, in the soccer aid, I was probably sit her on the bench but in her prime she was just unbelievable and yeah. and she did massive things for my career when I first stepped on the international scene she she really calmed me down and, and helped me integrate into the changing room so mm-hmm. a lot to thank for her um, and then on the wings you're probably looking at who am I thinking I've got Lisa Evans in there she I grew up with her through the youth age groups um, her pace is frightening and I think as she's progressed in the professional game, she's improved her, her technical ability and, and she can go both ways, inside, outside and, and turn defenders inside out. So I enjoy playing with her. I know how she plays. So I'd probably have her in front of myself at, at right wing. Um, left wing, that's a difficult one. There's a few. Uh, oh man, who would I say? I think I've played with, I'm going to say Lizzie Arnott. Um, she plays for, for Rangers now, but I came through Hibs with her and uh, at training, she used to just turn me inside out for fun and, and put me on my backside. So the tricks that she can carry out at top speed are, are class. And not to mention, she's a, a really nice down to earth girl as well. And I get on really well with her. So I'd probably have her in my starting 11 as well. And who's the manager of that team? <laughs> um, I'd probably have a joint head coach of maybe Anna and, and Shelley Anna gave me my international debut and, and Shelley has rated me from a young age she put me as her captain and for the under 19 team so again a lot to be thankful for and they both gave me a chance at international level so I'll probably say joint yeah, we can we can allow a joint manager. <laughs> That's <laughs> absolutely you. fine. No worries. So, well, listen, Rachel. Thanks very much for your time. I've, um, as I say, really enjoyed it, and um, good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. Enjoyed no it. Take care. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>